It's taught me to work for goals. It's taught me hard work. It's taught me dedication to keep going after things. It's taught me, I think, an omen of service. It's taught me how to serve other people and be selfless with my time because I realized how valuable it is to hear music live and how much that can impact lives. And I know that there are hard days. I know that there are days that you don't want to practice, but it is all worth it. When you have moments of accomplishment and moments where you get to touch people's lives, it's all, it's all worth it. All those hours are well spent. Behind every successful musician, there is a story, a why, a series of highs and lows that eventually lead them to finding their passion. But how do some stick with it when so many others choose to quit? This podcast will dive into the inspiring untold stories from our favorite artists and unpack the important life lessons only music can teach us. So to the lovers, listeners, and makers of music, I'm your host, Sarah Davies, and this is More Than Musicians. We're wide awake These broken hearts They beat it all along We're miles away In those eyes We're never far from home Send it on fire Reach out And we keep on fighting And we keep on fighting Okay, so today we are so excited. We have got a great episode for you. We are sitting down today with Sarah Bauman, and she... Um, graduated with her master's degree in violin performance from the Juilliard School of Music. She currently plays with both the Seattle and the Utah Symphony, and she has recorded um, a lot of her own music. And so, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. We cannot wait to talk to you and just unpack all the goodness which has come from your amazing career to this point. Oh my gosh, you're so nice. I, I am so excited and honored to be here. So for those people that don't know you, can you yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, totally. I am um, a native of Salt Lake. I love Salt Lake. Grew up here. Um, I started music when I was really little. My mom signed me up for violin lessons when I was three years old. Um, and music has just kind of been my path since I was three. And I, um, obviously this is a large gap, but from three, I, from three on, I was, um, raised in Salt Lake, went to school at BYU for my undergrad, went to Juilliard, as you said, and now I'm back here in Utah for a little bit, which is really nice. Okay. So it's so fun because I remember distinctly the first time we met and I believe yeah. it was at a concert from that Leon Peterson did at his cabin. Can you yes. tell us about what those were? Yeah. So we have, um, a good family friend who, he would get groups of people together and get some amazing musicians together and just have fun little nights of music. And I think it was your brother who was performing that night. That's I wish right. you would have also been performing. And actually, maybe you did. Did you? I didn't. No. Okay. So it was just your brother. Um, but I'm so glad you were there because that's, I think, yeah, where we first met. And he um, would just get groups of people together and we would enjoy music together which was so fun. It was in such a beautiful location. I'm yeah. guessing that was his cabin. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And Leon's recently passed. He passed away recently. To know. And yeah. uh, I think he did such an amazing work in gathering amazing musicians. And it was a lot from the University of Utah, I understand. Because yeah. that's where they were from. Yeah. Uh, but there was a really in- amazing network of people up there. I yeah. remember meeting Jeffrey Price up, yeah. up there at uh-huh. one of those. Yeah, he's, he's great. A, um, a professor of piano up at the University of Utah. Mm-hmm. But I just remember walking away from that so inspired. And I 
I actually remember what you played. You played Gabriel's Oboe. Yeah. And oh my I gosh. fell in love with that song. It's such a great song. And actually, Leon is the one who first introduced me to that song really? and asked me to make an arrangement. And now it's one of my favorite things to play. So. It's gorgeous. And I yeah, was looking beautiful. at your stuff online and you've, yeah. you've professionally recorded that. So if yeah. anyone wants to go listen to your <laughs> version of Gabriel's Oboe, you can. You're so nice. Uh, but I actually, so at that time, I was playing the piano at the Roof Restaurant oh, cool. in Salt Lake. And so I would listen to some of those songs and Gabriel's Oboe being one of them. Yeah. And I would get the sheet music and then I would go start implementing those into my repertoire. Oh, I love it. But I will always attribute that to you. Oh that my gosh. all you, but your, I'm your talent is truly, truly exceptional. You're and so, so nice. can you talk to us a little bit about, like you started when you're three. Yeah. Who did you take with? When did it start to become your thing? Can you yeah, tell us about that? Totally. So, um, like I said, I, well, and before I even start saying this, I should say that Honestly, all of my career path, I attribute and owe so much to my parents. Um, as as anyone listening to this podcast probably knows, there is so much parental involvement when there um, that goes into raising a, a music student. Um, and so my mom, she knew that um, she wanted me to learn how to play violin. Um, I was three years old, so at the time, I don't know if I even knew what a violin was. So she kind of chose the, helped me choose the instrument um, and then signed me up for Suzuki Violin Method Lessons. Um, and I did that until um, we moved to California when I was 10 years old. Um, my parents were in charge of some missionaries for our church there in California for three years. And so I was um, kind of displaced out of my friend group in Salt Lake and went to California. And that is when music kind of was my outlet. That's um, when I started practicing more during the day. Um, I got a really incredible teacher there and um, started practicing more like three to four hours a day, which for, for me at the time was a lot, but also I was new in a place and didn't have a ton of friends. And so it kind of became my, my thing. Um, and then we came back to Utah and got some really great teachers here. And, um, that's just kind of when it took off. So, well, I mean, yeah, that's an intense schedule for someone that age, like three to four hours a day, but I mean, you must have, did you love it? I loved it. Um, something that kind of helped fill those hours was my mom is um, a piano teacher. She's an amazing pianist and she has always been my accompanist. And so part of my practice hours has always been her accompanying me and us just performing pieces and playing pieces together. And that is just always so fun. It's, it's fun to play through all the pieces that you love. So that always helped help me fill the practice hours during the day, but... That's so special yeah. like to be able to do that with your mom. I'm sure that's oh, been a really it. cool bonding experience, you know, an element to your relationship. I love it. And I, I've, she was the one that accompanied you that day. If I remember right. Yeah. She, yeah, I'm sure. Does she, is she your go-to accompanist? She's my go-to. She, um, yeah. And actually kind of a funny story with that. We, when I auditioned for Juilliard for my master's, um, I, most people kind of go back and have an accompanist there in New York City and just fly there themselves and then use their accompanist um, or bring their own professional accompanist with them. And I 
have always loved being in the same room and in situations like that with my mom. It's kind of fun to just have her to talk with after the audition or after the event and just say, how do you think it went? And just talk with each other. And um, so I got her to go back and audition with me and be my accompanist. Um, and then she auditioned or she also played for me for my Juilliard final recital. And I flew her back so that she could play for me then. And she's just my, she's amazing. She's great. As a pianist, like that is my greatest dream is to like make my children into other musicians so that I can accompany them. It's like, so fun. I think that is so special uh, for you guys to be able to share that. That's really great. Juilliard, that's a big thing, but you you went to BYU. And yeah. were you involved in music then? Did you undergrad in music? Yes. Um, I did my undergrad in violin performance at BYU. I loved my time there. Um, I knew for my undergrad that I kind of wanted to have a more overall experience. I wanted to be able to go to football games in the fall and um, to take classes besides just music classes. And so um, I did audition for other schools for music conservatories and decided ultimately that I wanted to go to BYU. And I loved it. There are just incredible teachers and incredible experiences. And uh, I just I just attribute so much to my time there. It, I So I dabbled at, B at BYU um, in the music program. Oh, nice. And I think we were there at the same time. Yeah, we probably were. I think we were. What year did you graduate high school? 2011. Okay, that's the same. So I do okay, remember yeah. like get, getting you on my radar after that performance. Oh, and fun, I think yeah. I had seen you at the HVAC. Okay, you know? yeah, yeah. But I, I learned really quickly that I wasn't cut out for like academic music. But I did take one class and it was AP. No, not AP. Um, honors like music something 202 oh yeah did you take that uh-huh i did okay i was yeah. obsessed oh yeah it was so hard yeah really me, hard especially <laughs> like not having been in that arena but like uh -huh. it was the type of thing where we were learning like the backstory yeah you know of yeah. like all these famous composers and totally. i'm sure every class for you was awesome what was your favorite class you took at byu oh man um so I, <laughs> if any of my teachers ever are listening to this, they'll be like, Sarah's not the best student. I, <laughs> I loved all those classes. I would have rather been practicing. So I did, I learned what I could and I loved learning, but I also was just excited to play. So I think my very most favorite class at BYU was the orchestra um, classes there. I, they went on tour to, to Eastern Europe, which was really cool. And um, we had just lots of amazing places and concerts and uh I don't know it was just a really a really great time so I think that would be my favorite memories from BYU would be the orchestra experiences there we went to eastern Europe we went to we went to what are some of the places we were supposed to go to Ukraine Lithuania and Turkey we went to Turkey oh, did you do like Istanbul yeah we went to Istanbul that's so yeah cool. Istanbul Croatia and Italy was it kind of it a, was cool. a whirlwind it was a whirlwind. thing where you were just playing a lot? It was a total whirlwind. We were playing a lot. That's really fun. We went to, so I did the BYU Jerusalem program. And oh, nice. we went to Istanbul. And oh, like fun. still to this day, that is yeah. one of the places that I just, I would love to go It was a back. cool place. But to like be able to do your music in those places, I feel like that's. It was really cool. Such an awesome It experience. was really cool. So you major in, or you undergrad in music. Mm -hmm. At what point did Juilliard become on your radar, yeah. become an option for you? When I first decided BYU, I went in 
kind of in the back of my mind thinking I may want to go do a master somewhere outside of Utah. And so kind of typical story. I met my husband at BYU and we got married and uh, afterwards he works in finance. And so New York was kind of an obvious choice for him of where to go. And I auditioned to all of the schools in New York City. There's quite a few there and uh, got into Juilliard. And so decided that that would be a good fit. So that's where we went for the next couple of years, which was really fun. That's so cool. I feel like yeah. you're so humble because I have chills right now. Because, like, <laughs> you just casually audition and you get into Juilliard. Like, oh, that's a really man. big deal. It's super competitive and you are nice. so humble. Can you talk to us a little bit about like what that audition process was like? Yeah, it was terrifying. You go back and audition, you take about an hour's worth of music um, and they can ask, the judges can ask you 10 minutes of whatever they want to ask from that hour's worth of music. So um, you walk into a room, there's this table full of of judges and teachers who I had looked up to forever. And I was just kind of just starstruck in that room. You audition, they ask you what pieces to play, and then they say they'll let you know in a couple months. So that's kind of nerve wracking. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, thank you. Yeah, it was. There were a lot of people who auditioned. My year, um, they took 12 violinists from around the world for their master's program, which was really humbling to be yeah. one of those 12. Absolutely. But it was it was really humbling and the stars aligned and I had a really good day there and auditioned well and and your yeah. mom must have nailed it too. My mom nailed it. Yeah. She did. So Oh that's yeah. that is amazing. How do yeah. you how did you so I don't know how you are, but like I I can manage my nerves in a church performance, mm-hmm. at a funeral performance, at mm-hmm. the roof. When there are things that are high stakes to me and I'm really invested in, yeah. It's hard for me to have that composure of my nerves. Did you feel that that day or did you feel under control? Honestly, I, this is when I just, I believe in prayer and I think that things align for a reason at times. And, um, I think this was one of those times that it was supposed to work out because I just had a, at that time, I just had a good way of blocking all those thoughts out of my mind and just went in and, and played really well that day. So it's so, that's like such a blessing to have clarity in those moments to mm-hmm. feel like you can really leave and I don't know I have like this pre I guess pre-game ritual like anytime yeah. I perform somewhere like I will even prayer too and so yeah. I always say a prayer in my heart that I am like I first of all thank God for my gift and for my talent and my ability to play totally. and then second I just ask that I can play to the best of my ability mm-hmm. and so I feel like when when I have that clarity and that composure like okay I can do this. Mm-hmm. And when you can leave it all out there, you can walk away and feel mm-hmm. like, okay, whatever happens. For sure. Is good. For sure. And there have been those times when I've played and it's definitely not been that. It's kind of been an off day, um, which makes those on days even even Sweet. greater. Yeah. Do you have a pregame? Like when you're prepping for something big, like mm-hmm. do you have any type of rituals that you walk yourself through to get into that headspace that you need to be in to be concentrated enough? Yeah. So I took a um, performance enhancement class at Juilliard, which I loved. And uh, there were a lot of things that I learned in that class that I that I like to do now. Um, a few of those being, I mean, honestly, any performance is more like a triathlon experience. Your your mind has to be in it. Your body obviously has to be in it. It's just a full, it's not just a performance. It's a full on, it's a, it's a full experience with just everything. Um, and so uh, in this class, they told me to 
one, you can run stairs when you're practicing, try to get your heart rate up and then go back and play and see if you can do it with those, with those kind of heart raising like shakes in your body. Um, so I do that. There's a, I try to visualize a lot. Um, a couple months before big performances, I try to just visualize getting up and playing. And, um, I like to think about what I'm going to be doing after, if I'm going to go get an after performance snack or treat or whatever. I like to think about that. Um, yeah, I, I just try to get my headspace in the right, in the right place. I love to hear what other people do to kind of, to prepare because I've found, so, I mean, I'm not playing in venues like you are. I'm most of my playing is happening in church and things like that. Yeah. But I've found that it does matter where my head's been at that morning. So if mm-hmm. I've had a crazy morning trying to get out my kids, you know, out the door to church totally. and then I'm sitting in the pew and I'm fighting all of them, like I really struggle to then go get up. Totally. And my husband's like, I didn't realize this was going to be like such a, I, I, my calling right now is the choir pianist. And he's oh, like, I didn't nice. realize this was going to be like a full morning preparing <laughs> thing. <laughs> totally. But there's a lot to say um, of your headspace and of just putting the mental game of it yeah. aside. Totally. And so it's cool to hear about your class from Julia yeah. and stuff. Cause I think that that's, I mean, I think that that's a really cool part of being a great musician. Totally. And honestly, there was enough to delve into for a whole semester's yeah. worth of classes. So, uh, yeah. So it's it's definitely definitely a topic, definitely a thing. But that's cool. Tell us yeah. about some of the other things at Juilliard, like the workload and stuff. How was yeah. that? Was it pretty heavy? So um, classes at Juilliard are a lot less demanding than um, BYU. BYU was really hard. Juilliard mostly mostly just wanted you to spend your time practicing. So at the end of the day, I would probably have played about nine to 10 hours just in the midst of, or in, in, the, in a mix of um, orchestra and chamber music and um, solo practicing, probably about nine to 10 hours a day of practice. And that was kind of the bulk of my, the bulk of my time there. But that's a full-time job. It was a lot. a lot. It was a lot. I was definitely tired at the end of the day. Did you um, ever get sick of it? Yeah. At times, yes. I think there were just always, though, so many things to do and to prepare that you kind of just kept going. Um, I've never, I feel very fortunate in that I've never been so tired of music that I wanted to give it up. I love music and I love playing and there's always things to work for, which I love. So that kind of kept me going through my time there. It was just, I had to prepare for the next thing. So yeah. Were there any, were there any low points for you? Like, I mean, so you're preparing music to play with the orchestra, but then were you Mm -hmm. also being graded on certain passages and things? Like, were there ever times where you just felt like I, you couldn't accomplish what you were wanting to? Definitely. Um, I think when I first got to Juilliard, I was, um, honestly a little bit shell-shocked. I had come out of Utah where um, they're really, really great players and lots of talent. Um, but at Juilliard, there are just so many incredible people from all over the world who have made music their life and that's what they do. And, um, and so when I first got to Juilliard, I had an audition and it was, I walked into this room, it was for an orchestra audition. It wasn't supposed to be anything that hard, but it was um, probably the worst I've ever played in my life. I, 
I lifted up my violin, my shoulder pad fell off my violin, my music fell off the stand. It was horrible. It was so, so bad. And I was really disappointed in myself. Uh, that was like my first week at Juilliard. But then after that, I was determined to uh, to make up for that. And so I worked really, really hard. And my second year at Juilliard was was so much better than my first because I I just had worked really, really hard to get to a better place and to feel better about where I was level-wise next to everyone else. And yeah. What's it what's it like to rub shoulders with those musicians? What, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, tell me about that. Yeah. Um they honestly they're just just really incredible players and uh now to see even afterwards where people are and to see uh where people are able to to what people are able to do with their music. Um honestly, it's like, it's like being in a community of like Olympians. They're just so dedicated and that's what, that's what they do. And they're, uh, just very like determined and tunnel vision people who are able to work so hard. And they're also just artists, just, just really great artists. So it was, it was really cool. I, I can't imagine, like, I just want to be a fly on the wall, like in those rooms and stuff, because playing and being able to like hang, if you will, at that level, that yeah. high of a level, I just, I think it is so cool. And like I said, you're so humble, but like the oh. fact that you were able to get in as one of 12 that semester, I am blown away. And really I think nice. it's such a cool thing, but you've, in addition to your Juilliard experience, you are now playing can, you're continuing to play in the Salt Lake City Orchestra. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So um, I play with um, the Utah Symphony on a contracted sub uh, basis. So I started substituting with them when I was at BYU my senior year. Uh, I got a first phone call from them and I was like, oh my gosh, this is my dream. These are the people that I've wanted to be my whole life. And so that was really cool. Um, and then I've I've played with them since then, and now am playing with them full time for the next few months, uh, which has been awesome. They are just incredible players, and they work so hard, and their schedule is so full of so much good music, and it's been a treat to be there for sure. But what kind of practicing goes? I mean, so to be a sub, what kind of practicing goes in? Like, do you have to know all the repertoire and at the drop of a hat to be able to step in? Yeah, so they play uh, different concerts every weekend. So they practice, it's a full-time job, nine to three most days. Wow. Um, and then weekend nights, they have concerts. So they get there, uh, and that's just with the group. They, they most of them go home and practice outside of the, outside of the normal work hours. But you get different rep during the week and you practice for that concert that weekend. And then the next week you get a different concert repertoire that you practice together and then and then you play that concert that weekend so there's definitely a lot of music um and some weeks are trickier than others and you definitely spend more time outside on your own practicing the music but, yeah what's that yeah. like to put in all that I think of dancing with the stars right like yeah. they, they get their dance they have a week to prepare it they yes. do it and then it's over yeah like what's that like to to practice all week for something and then have it be over is it a relief uh some weeks more than others yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, it's, it's interesting. There's, it kind of, it kind of flavors your week. Music is so 
is also different from different composers. And so um, the concert for that weekend, kind of whether it be Brahms or Mozart or a new composer or whatever, it kind of is your, it kind of is in your mind for that whole week. Um, and then and then you get new music the next week, which sometimes is a relief after a heavier week and sometimes it's really sad because you've loved the music. Well, I, I think the, the repertoire that you're able to learn and that you probably have under your belt by now, that's like so extensive oh. and that's so cool. I envy, honestly, the cl- I've always kind of wanted to be more classical. I've always felt like I wanted that, but I never really had the background or the fundamentals to get there. And so I just yeah. really envy people that can hang with the big dogs, oh which are, gosh. you know, the, the amazing legendary honestly, composers. Honestly, there are big dogs in every, in every genre. And I, yeah, I, one of the cool things about, about being at, at school um, back East was that there were also like jazz players who were incredible. And there were Broadway players, obviously, in New York City who were incredible. And so I just have so much respect for all different genres. And that is that is so sweet. I think I'm like starstruck by the whole idea of it. I think it sounds so (laughs) awesome. But what's your favorite? Like if you if you could choose to play anything, what would it be? Oh, man. One thing that I love and kind of going back to my mom being my accompanist, um, we have always growing up, I've always done little house concerts, whether that be at my house or kind of back to Leon Peterson to his concerts as well at his cabin, little things like that house concerts that we take to different venues. And at those settings, I usually play things like Gabriel Zobo and like more um, easy listening, somewhere over the rainbow, um, easy listening pieces and then also add some classical music and that is like my ideal concert package right there where I get a little bit of all of it a little bit of everything yeah I oh I I please invite me to the next house concert (laughs) please come be a part of the next house concert I would would love love that too I've told you like so I would love to I've seen on your website that so you and your mom have done your own arrangements is that right yeah and like have you so you You've gone through and you've like inputted them with software. So there's sheet music for them now. For some of them, yes. Yeah, we, that's my, that's one of my goals is to make more sheet music. It's hard as a violinist to find a ton of music for settings like that. Um, whether that be church arrangements or whatever, it's, it's kind of hard to find good arrangements. So that's one of my, that's one of my to do's is to get some more, but. I think that we need to collab more. Like I, I think so too. So I have had this just burning desire and this has been for a long time but I want there's not a lot of female names in like the piano arranging sphere especially within like um like the church I guess you could say I love religious music I just find Mm -hmm. like a lot of my spiritual fulfillment comes from me playing religious music and so I have long wanted to do a book of sheet music that like tributes my time in Jerusalem I think I've mentioned this to you like I want I think we need to collaborate I think we do too on this I would love that let's do it it would be really cool and I mean it's a daunting process yeah that's what's so hard about it is like putting a an arrangement to paper it's kind of it's a lot of time Yeah. yeah it's one thing to play it but then another to write it down exactly yeah and it's it's especially when that's exactly it like when you can you can bust it out and you can play it, but then yeah. actually putting it to paper and making it like advanced enough where it can like, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a tricky thing, but I yeah. think, I think that that's really cool. I saw that on 
like during COVID, you guys were doing house concerts. Yeah. Via Zoom. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, one of my very, very favorite things about the holidays is usually I have some fun places to play holiday music. And during COVID, obviously, there weren't a ton of gatherings. Um, And so we decided, my mom and I, to put together a little concert and just put it on YouTube. And so we got some of our favorite Christmas music and just had a little evening of music and entered a lot of houses that way, which was really fun for us. I really think that there's nothing like music, especially in the holidays, and especially during hard times like COVID. Music is something that is so needed and that has a way of of touching your heart like nothing else can and fills that gap where sometimes you need you need that boost. So um, anyway, so yeah, that's what we did for Christmas and it was really fun. I really liked watching. I So I watched part of it on YouTube. Oh, you're so nice. And I really, really... I just think like, especially in COVID, I wish I would have seen it like then because people needed that. Like we were all craving the connection. We were all craving like not having any type of performance in our life. I know. Of any type of musical, you know, whatever for a whole year. That's. I know. There was a void for sure. It was hard. And honestly, there wasn't a ton of um, like orchestra or a ton of work going on um, in places for me to play my violin. And so I needed that just as much as I feel like other people did. I needed a chance to have a reason to take my violin out and get ready to play somewhere. Um, So it was equally for me. Yeah, I resonate with that. Just it's it's often about me needing that void filled too. Mm -hmm, For sure. As a performer as well. Yeah. Okay, so tell us about a goal that you have with your music that you haven't yet accomplished. What's something you still want to do? My vision for my music has changed and kind of evolved over the years. I have two little babies now, which I love so, so much. And I love love getting to spend time with them. And now, honestly, kind of how you mentioned earlier, I am just excited to get to do music in our home and get to do music – um, with them and teach them and, and share that love with them. Um, so I would never have had that answer like 10 years ago when I didn't have that already. Um, so that's a big goal. Another, another big goal is I would love to, um, like I said, get more sacred music and more sheet music out there for more people to play. Um, so I think that's going to be an upcoming project, which is exciting. Um, I, honestly feel like I'm living my dream with um, getting to play with professional symphonies. I I sub in Seattle when we're living there and I sub here with the Utah Symphony when we're here. And that has been, that's been a dream of mine forever is to get to play with an orchestra wherever I live. So I feel really, really lucky to be doing that in the way that I'm doing that now. Um, and yeah, that's kind of just keep loving music and keep keep having it fill my day. I really like to hear that you, I mean, it's hard to balance motherhood with ambition, you know, like Uh career ambition, I guess. Um, And I like to hear that you found a balance because I feel like that that, that's what we're all kind of striving for is to find a balance where our heart obviously is with our kids. And I saw you have a Lucy. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I have a Lucy too. Oh, you do? I didn't realize that. And then what's your little guy's name? Andrew. Andrew and Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. So cute. (laughs) But I feel like that's kind of, um, I mean, it's just definitely something as women and as mothers that we are navigating. Yeah, with. for sure. And have you found peace in like where you're at right now? Oh my gosh, this could be like a whole other podcast topic. But um, 
Yeah, I I have, I think. I just took an audition like a couple weeks ago that I practiced really, really hard for. It was a career option that I really, really thought I wanted. Um, got into the audition, had an off day, and it was it was kind of a, just a really bomb audition. I just I just bombed it. Um, and afterwards, I honestly just wanted to go home and hug my babies. And I at that time just knew that what I what I personally want right now is to spend more time at home with my kids. Um, and it kind of took that that failed attempt to realize that. Um, but now I really am at peace with with all the projects I have going on on top of being a mom. I'm just happy to to have that time at home. It's what we're all striving for is just like that peace. And I yeah. so it's kind of cool now because you have this different opportunity, which as as a mother, but as a teacher of music in your own home and your mm-hmm. kids are so lucky, your family, your husband, everyone's so lucky they get to just listen to you play. I would oh. pay big money to have that playing in my home. Oh my gosh. I don't know if they would day. say the same thing, but they it's fun to see my my babies love music so much. So it's really fun. Well, what do you think your approach will be with them? I mean, oh, knowing that you've made it to such a high level, how how do you want to approach it in your home? That's such a good question. I think about that almost every day. Something that I feel is so important for um, kids learning to play music is also learning that dedication and hard work and all those values that go along with learning music. So if I have my kids do music, I don't want to do it half-heartedly. I want them to practice every day. I want them to learn those values of hard work that come along with that. So um, I think we'll just go for it and just see where it goes. I, having it as a professional career is tricky. It's hard. Um, there's so many great musicians and kind of a, kind of a limited amount of places to take that if you're not super creative and like you who are just such a boss and you figured out how to blaze your own path. But, um, so I'll definitely have them do music if they want to growing up. Um, we'll, we'll practice, we'll put in the hours and then it'll be up to them what they want to do after that. You're speaking my language when you're talking about like there's more to music than just the proficiency of it. Like, oh yeah, the the grit, the hard work, the dedication, the responsibility, accountability. Mm-hmm. I mean, the list goes on. That mm-hmm. you learn, it's invaluable, and I think it's such a cool way that we can use, like, to teach our kids those skills in life. What would you say for you? Music has taught you the most. I think it has taught me. I mean, so many things, but. It's taught me to work for goals. Um, It's taught me hard work. It's taught me dedication to keep going after things. It's taught me, I think, an element of service. It's taught me how to serve other people and be selfless with my time because I realized how valuable it is to hear music live and how much that can impact lives. And so a lot of places that I play, kind of fall outside of the professional realms. It's just me wanting to play music for other people. And I've seen what that can do for people. So it's taught me how to, how to, how to serve more, which I really love doing it in that way. Yeah. Can you think of one performance in particular, whether it be because you were serving or, um, maybe because of the venue or something, but is there one performance that stands out in your mind as kind of that transformational, like where you, it really goes from like the physical to the spiritual where you're like, this yeah. is my purpose. Um, gosh. So I don't want to get too heavy, but my, um, 
while I was at school in New York, my sweet grandma was 101. She was amazing. She, uh, she was really old and just was, um, pretty sick for the last couple weeks of her life. And she, I, I don't know how she did it, but she, uh, she always said she wanted me to play somewhere over the rainbow at her funeral. That was her favorite piece that I played for her. Um, favorite piece if she was ever at my concerts, which she came to a lot of, that was her favorite. So I, um, she knew that I had a couple weeks left of my semester and would then be going back to Utah. And, um, so she held on for a couple weeks. I don't know how she did it, but she did. And so I flew in with my husband, um, and she, uh, at the time was non-responsive. Um, she was, um, just in her home and I went and I, um, played somewhere with the rainbow for her. And, um, she, she passed away a couple hours later and, um, gosh, sorry to get heavy and emotional, but, (laughs) but that was, that was just such a special, I think that will always be a highlight in the category of, um, of, of music that is more needed for my heart and to fill that hole in my heart. Um, that was just a really sweet experience in a way that I got to hopefully serve her a little bit and that she really touched my, my life and gave me validation for my music at that time so that was that was amazing that's so special yeah I it kind of brought me back to this this place where um and you might know my grandma yeah 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 so I know that you grew up in that same area and that there were some connections there but my cute grandma passed from Alzheimer's. Sorry, I didn't think we were going to talk about this, but no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't so either. I'm sorry. Why does keep going? Um, but she had Alzheimer's and she had early onset Alzheimer's. And so we we struggled and battled for a long time. But mm. I remember as she was passing, one of her, she had served as a mission president's wife um, and with my grandpa in London. And one of their mm. missionaries came and played the violin mm. in her room. Oh, sorry. And I remember they played Be Still My Soul and she passed later that day. And it's mm-hmm. almost like the whole family needed that music. Mm-hmm. We all needed to hear the power that that music brought into the room. But then mm-hmm. it's almost something where it put her at peace and she was gone. I, your story Absolutely. is so powerful to me because I'm sure that that binds you to your grandma, you know, like that's how you serve and that's how that you'll always cherish those memories. So thank you so much for sharing that. I just, I, I know that what you do is with so many young budding musicians who are just, um, putting in those hours, but that's where those hours take you. And those hours are so important to, to put in, um, because it gives you incredible experiences like that, that are so important. So you're so, I think you're so right. What is on the horizon next for you most, like what's the next thing or the most immediate thing that you're working on? I, so, so like I said, I, I am playing full-time right now with the Utah Symphony um, and their schedule is busy there. It's, it's a lot. Um, so that has been, that's been filling my time right now. Um, and I'll be with them full time until the beginning of next year. And then after that, I'll have more hours in the day, hopefully to, to work on other projects. Um, 
but I have loved being there with them and loved making music with with such incredible people. So I'm really happy with where I am right now. I I feel really lucky. That's great. I okay. So I was looking on your website. Yeah. And it had like a quote on the main page, mm-hmm. and I like I read it and I really really liked it. And so I wrote it down, and it says it. This is the quote. It says, "This will be our reply to violence." to make music more intensely, more beautifully, and more devotedly than ever before. Mm-hmm. And that's by Leonard Bernstein. So tell me like what, where did you first hear that quote? What, yeah. what do you feel about that? I love that quote. Um, I think I first heard it uh, when I was making my first album. I have a couple of albums at Deseret Book and I, uh, this kind of goes along with how I love to play music that's not just classical. I love all the other, the the feel-good music. And I think that that has a way of, of, of bringing communities and people together. Music has a way of, of, um, of touching hearts. And like this quote says, I think it helps us want to be better people and wants, it helps us, it's, it helps us to, um, to just soften our hearts and want to be more community and more people and humanity driven. So anyway, I, yeah, I, I first heard this quote when I was, when I was making my first album and my album has songs like it has some hymns in it. It has, um, some, some favorite well-loved Broadway songs and, uh, just, I, I just feel like that is kind of a good theme for what I want my music to be. I want it to be something that helps to contribute to the overall humanity of, of people. I love your mission, your purpose behind it all. And I think that, I mean, the fact that you have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of hours behind you, it's a question I've been wanting to ask you, um, and maybe we can use this question to sum this up, but what would you say to a young aspiring music student, but struggling to stick with it? What mm. would, what would you tell them? Man, I've been there. I've been there. It's, it's, there's, there are harder times. There's hard days. I actually, I found a note a little while ago that my mom had written to me. Um, I am pretty sure when I was maybe seven or eight and she always practiced with me. And uh, there was, I remember there was one hard morning of practicing. I'm sure I was the one who was really, really just hard to deal with that day. And she somehow lost her patience through it all, bless her heart. I, I'm sure it was all led by me, but um, she gave me a little note that said, I'm sorry I lost my patience with you this morning in a candy bar. And I know that there are hard days. I know that there are days that you don't want to practice, um, but it is all worth it. When you have moments of accomplishment and moments where you get to touch people's lives, it's all it's all worth it. All those hours are well spent. So just stick with it. Just keep going. It it's not all hard. It gets better. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank yeah. you for being willing to share your story and to be open and so vulnerable with us. We appreciate it so much. And we know that your story will go on to inspire many others. Uh, where can we find you? Yeah. Uh, well, first off, thank you for having me. I, I feel so lucky to have been here and spend an hour with you. I love, I love talking to you. So, um, I have a website that has some of my hymn arrangements and hopefully soon we'll have more hymn arrangements on there. Um, it's sarahnoelbauman.com 
And, um, and that's kind of where all my current happenings are on that website. Um, that'll direct you to iTunes and Spotify and awesome. And you're Sarah with, you're Sarah without an H. No H. Yeah. We're both Sarah's. I'm with an H. You're without. Yes. So Sarah Noel Bauman.com. And we can then link to your YouTube, your Spotify and all the things from there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I am determined you and I, we need to set a goal because I would love to come out with an arrangement. So we're going to have to stay after this and chat. Let's do it. That sounds good. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. You've been listening to More Than Musicians. Thanks for being here. This show was written and directed by me, Sarah Davies, executive produced by Alex Jenkins, theme song by Tanner Townsend. Leave us a review and tell us what you think. We're on Instagram at More Than Musicians Podcast, or you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. We'll see you back here next week with another episode.